Hey, this is Jason. Thanks for uh, stopping by again and listening to our weekly teaching from our Sunday morning gathering. This is uh, week number four of our Hebrew series. We're going to spend the next three weeks looking at Hebrews chapter six. Uh, basically, I, I worked through some study, got some things together, decided that this well, would take a little bit long. You can hear it in real time at the end of, of my talk. Uh, and so essentially, I have multiple warnings, three warnings that I gleaned. Um, from Hebrews chapter 6, and we go through them over a few weeks. Um, hope you enjoy it. If you'd like to know more about Casper Alliance Church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com. Uh, again, you can go to the App Store or your uh, Google Play Store, search for Casper Alliance Church, look for the double C's, download our app, connect with us there. Hey, thanks for having, a, uh, having time to give to us. We uh, welcome it. We're grateful. We appreciate you. Uh, have a good week. I'm going to be uncomfortable while I'm doing it the whole time. I have three warnings for you today. Three warnings. Um, this is how they train guys to speak. Um, I, w- I was trained to speak this way, and I rejected it from the get-go. I feel like the conversation is way more fun uh, for me, personally. But here's the deal. Uh, sometimes you got to go back to your roots and just say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to capture the essence of what this text says because, um, not because I, I am trying to be some sort of extraordinary Bible teacher, but there are things that I think are worth writing down. And I don't like to do PowerPoint. Um, personally, it's easy to do. You can just like take your notes, cut out half of them, put the main points up there. I have main points every week, but in some ways going back to like some of these basics are good for, the, for us as a church as we're growing to j- just kind of rekindle um, maybe a, a structure of what looking into the word looks like. And then I, I promise I'll still tell stories about my family inappropriately. And I, I'm not committing to this every week. I'm committing to this for this particular Sunday. Uh, because I just feel like the essence of this text lends well to it. Um, a lot of times when we read through scripture, I'll just start going and I have one big idea that I really want us to capture. But today there's a handful of things that I think point to warnings these warnings that we're supposed to have. Now, um, I'll just be, let's be transparent for a second. This Hebrews chapter six is argued, arguably, arguably the most complex, difficult, debated piece of scripture in all of the Bible. They don't, people don't wrestle over revelation as much as they wrestle over this particular set of, of scriptures. And there's a reason why, and I think you'll pick it up as we go. And guess what? I'm going to ignore it. <laughs> Not because, I'm, but I think there's, some, there's actually a larger story happening underneath of it. So three warnings for you this morning. Um, and let's get into the text. But let's, let's start back at chapter 5 of Hebrews. And I know I didn't tell you this on the back there, guys, but I, I thought of it earlier. I need to read, I need to read the flow into chapter six to really get a grasp for what for what chapter six is trying to do. Okay? So there is much more, verse 11 of chapter 5, there's much more we'd like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are, remember I said this so many times last week, spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You've been believers so long, and now that you ought to be teaching others, instead you need someone to teach you again the basic thing about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For some 
For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and still and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who know, who through training have the skill to recognize the differences between right and wrong. So let us stop going over basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms and laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if the field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn the field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because their faith and endurance. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we have fled to him for refuge can, so therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Father God, I pray that your words and your words alone are heard this morning, that you use them to teach this people, us as a group, Lord, that you encourage us and that we, we draw deeper into relationship with you because of it. We love you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, now, let's deviate from my original plan. I'm just kidding. We're not going to deviate. But here's the deal. Um, 
anytime you read a hard text, right? Did anybody, when they're reading this, pick up on the hard phrases? Did anybody? Raise your hand if you picked up on some of the hard phrasing in this text. Okay, the hard phrasing in here, it, like, it, it is tough. Basically, what it's doing, it, as we read it, we're creating this argument in our mind that those who have tasted Jesus, who've come into salvation, um, might not be able to go back if they, if they repent or, rebel, or they re, if they rebel. Like, there's a thing that says they can't ever be forgiven. Now, that's our language reading into it. Now, here's what I want us to do for just a, just a second. I want us to put us in the mind of the pastor writing the letter to the church to the Hebrews scattered in exile. And the whole point of Hebrews is to point out that Jesus is greater than anything else that you've been taught or shown. Jesus is the one true thing that can save you. Jesus is better than angels, than Moses, than Abraham. Jesus is greater than everything, right? So that's the way in which it's written. Now, remember, it's written as a pastor to the church. A pastor to the church speaks very differently than the professor at the college trying to prove or make a point or to educate. This is written in a way that's not about education. When we read it educationally, we lose its meaning and we create our own meaning. We create our own outcomes. When you read it pastorally or somebody who's passionate about the people, so, for example, if I were to meet with you and you were going through a, a certain set of things, I'm not, you're here, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you out because you're here. Sorry, Matt and Tab. We met, right, for pre-marriage counseling. There were things I said to you in face-to-face, sitting in my office, where I just said them, right, pastorally. That's just how it works. It would never work if I wrote you a theo- theological essay telling you how to go about marriage. You would like, what is this garbage? Why in the world? This is the dumbest thing ever. This is your version of pre-marriage counseling? This is silly. This is what's being written here. It's not a theological essay. It's not a, 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 a way in which uh, an, a higher level education person is trying to put together point by point by point so that the person can read it and consume it and go, oh, now I have all this worked out. I have all this eternal judgment, salvation stuff all worked out. This is written from somebody who loves the people and is willing to say the hard things to them because he wants to give them a warning and say, just pay attention. Please, here's a warning. How many warnings, friends, did I give you when we were sitting in my office? Many, right? How many of them came true? All of them, I promise they did. Every single warning about marriage comes true. It's not a complicated subject. There's four things that you're gonna battle in your marriage, and I can warn anybody on the planet about them, and every single time you're like, yeah, that's true. You are a prophet. No, I've been married for 20 years. I know what it looks like. And I know what the first year looked like, the seventh, the 12th, and the 15th year looked like. And it's the same fights, five million different ways. It's the same four things. If you really want to know, ask me after church, and I'll tell you. But this is written in a way to where the pastor says, I love you, and I'm concerned for you. I don't want you to enter into this space thinking these particular things anymore. I don't want you to waste energy. Now, when I read it, and I read this thing and it says, uh, let's stop going over basic teachings about Christ Jesus again and again and again. I'm like, wait, you're telling me not to do the very thing that I do every single Sunday. Every Sunday I preach Jesus. Every Sunday I talk about the cross. Every Sunday I talk about the good news and salvation. Every Sunday. There might be one or two over the last couple years where I didn't, but every single Sunday I teach that. Is that what the author of Hebrews is saying, to not talk about those particular things? I don't think so. What the author of Hebrews is doing here is saying, you've got to grow up. 
You've got to mature. You've got to become a stronger believer. You know what? That's why he ends the chapter, and I'm going to get into the warnings here in a second, ends the chapter with the anchor. The only time in all of Scripture where this, the word anchor exists is at the end of Hebrews chapter 6. And it, what does an anchor do? We've talked about it before. It holds things in place. And this is why the anchor of Jesus is holding everything in place. And it's time to start move, stop moving all over the place. It's time to stop being tossed to and fro. It's time to not be pushed by the wind of discussion and the, the wind of philosophy and whether Jesus does it this way or does it that way. Jesus is the only way. And Jesus is, once you understand that and you have it and you've grasped it, it's time to begin to drop the anchor and to live in that hope knowing that the eternal life that Jesus promised is coming. And let's navigate navigate this life in a way to where we're firm and strong and we're holding our ship right where it needs to be. And these are the warnings that the writer, the pastor is not the, not, no, there's tons of theology here, but not the professor, right? Like there's a huge difference. And I need, we have to grasp that. There's a difference between a pastor and professor. You guys have been taught in this church differently if you've been here for more than 20 years. There's been professors and there's been pastors who've taught in this place. There's been prophets and there's been professors. We teach differently. We do it differently. We attack it differently, right? So you know which one I am. <laughs> I'm not the professor. I, I can talk about that stuff. I get excited about it. It's fun. Come to a Sunday school class. You'll see. We navigate all over the place. By the end of the, end of Sunday, it doesn't make any sense. But the warnings are clear here. This is all about being the dedicated follower of Jesus. This is about being the strong follower of Jesus, by being the secure follower of Jesus, by being the, the committed follower of Jesus. That's what this is about. So here's the first warning. It's time to get serious. It's time to get serious. So how does, how does he lay this out? Okay, let's look at it. It's time to get serious. So let's stop talking about the, the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go instead. And by the way, some of you in this room I know aren't believers. You've never put faith in Christ. You don't even know. Like some of the words I'm saying, you're like, this is ridiculous. I thought there was going to be a joke and a funny story and some sort of cat video. That's not, that, no, I'm sorry. Some of you in here have not made full, full professions of faith in Jesus. You still need to hear every single Sunday the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's why every Sunday I talk about salvation in Christ and Christ alone. And through the work of the cross and resurrection, we can have salvation. And if you turn from your ways and repent, you will be saved by Jesus for eternal life. Now, when we get into it, now you've accepted Christ, we have to continue to grow and drop the anchor and start to get deep. So we have to put away the warning is to get serious. How do you get serious? Put away childish thinking. Put away the childish thinking. All right, let's look at it. Christ again and again, let us go instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting with evil deeds. Think about it. Put yourself in the church and all the different things that we've argued about, right? What's one of the best arguments that we've had in this particular church in the last year and a half? I, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of one that's been silly, right? Um, I should have wrote one down. What's that? Oh, yeah, wait till I make this thing go away. Who's going to lose their brain when this thing disappears? Because it's going. I'm going to put a keyboard in here. Half of you are going like, what? The other half are like, well, I guess I'm going to a different church. 
But there'll be argument about, about a piano, right? All of a sudden, you can I remember one time, here's, here's the best thing that happened. Okay, I, the church used to face this direction. Anybody go to church when we used to point this way? And I used to stand up there and go look out this way. And if you were in the back over here and you went to church at, at Casper Alliance Church, there was a seat right in front of the sound booth, and this was your view, right? And I was like, listen, we're changing it. And one Sunday after church, I don't know if you remember this, one Sunday, we flipped the whole sanctuary. The next Sunday, we didn't have church because COVID. I was like, oh, <laughs> bailed me out. I didn't have to deal with anything. And so for like five weeks, we didn't have church. And all of a sudden, everybody comes back and they're like, oh, I kind of like this. There was no conversation. I said, we're doing it. But the point is, is there's all these childish conversations that we end up having, or we like fight about these little things, or we argue about them. There's just, I think it took us like six months to figure out what's safe to buy, right? Like that's, that's people. This isn't about like a theological, like ex you know, exposition about how to live this and that. It's like recognizing that kids fight and argue about the littlest things. And here's what's happening. When you free, we start arguing about repenting, you're being foolish because we all know we need to repent. And so the pastor's saying, you know you have to repent. Stop fighting about it. So when we put that childish thing aside, so again, it's a warning. It's time to get serious. Serious about your own personal growth in Jesus. Serious about the way in which you're going to grow up and mature. Serious about how dropping the anchor will hold you firm. Serious about when that's what getting serious about. So we, we stop arguing, arguing about these little things that we already know are true and trying to find the nuance within them. We stop arguing about it. Again, it's, it's fascism and tyrant life, they eventually meet in the middle and they become the same thing. We argue about the silliest things as humans and we actually forego real growth, real transformation, real life in Christ and we begin to just perseverate on silliness. That's a warning. It's time to get serious. Well, put away childish thinking. Well, you know what else we have to do? We got to consecrate ourselves. This is a great uh, alliance word. Verse two, you don't need a further instruction about baptism or laying on of hands or resurrection of dead or eternal judgment and so God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. So here's the deal. What's consecration? It means to be set apart, to, to set apart for service, for ministry, for, for something else for something greater. God went around and used the prophets to consecrate people to work in the temple. They were, they were cleansed and, and set so that they could do the work, right? And this is what it's saying. To get serious about your faith, to get serious about walking with Jesus, you gotta set apart some stuff. And I'm not talking about repenting from sin. I'm talking about going, it's time to get serious, so I'm gonna actually go, you know what? I'm gonna figure out how to get serious. Well, how do you get serious in a church? It's not showing up on Sunday morning, this is, I mean, this is okay. I'm glad that you're here, by the way. But you're not gonna grow by this. And I've never felt that in 20 years of church ministry. This is not the way that you grow. I can kick you in the pants a little bit. And this is why I chose to teach the way I teach or preach the way I preach, because it lends more to kicking you in the shorts so that you can go, wait, I gotta go think about that. Either I disagree with it or I fully agree with it, but I gotta figure out kind of what he said because it didn't really sit well with me. And I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on it on my own. This is what consecrating. I'm gonna set apart myself to actually work. And to do the work like one of our core values is at Casper Alliance Church. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to do it. So getting serious means setting yourself apart. Look for deeper things, to go deeper, to grow and to mature in the, in the Lord. My favorite, my favorite Greek word. Do you remember it, Adrienne? Teleos. Teleos is a fantastic Greek word. It means to become fully mature. 
Paul uses it a lot in his writings, to be teleos, to be fully mature. That's is about going deeper. This is about, con- this is about setting yourself apart to do the work. So here's the deal. Like we do this thing. I don't know how many people are tapping into it, right? There's a content creation team that works on this thing called the invite. The invite's been around for what, a year now, a year and change. A little resource. This is not the end all be all to everything, right? It's a little tool that, that works alongside the talk. Is it going to echo the talk? No, but it allows you in your own space to go a little bit deeper. There's reading plan in here. There's some Bible study in here. There's some, some writings in here to promote, promote thought. There's some uh, QR codes to look up some worship. Like whatever the discipline is that you really enjoy, I think you can find it in here other than giving. And there's no offering in this thing. But this is just a tool to help go, you know, I'm going to set apart some time in my life. I'm going to, I'm going to consecrate this time for Jesus. I'm going to put it over here. So the warning is, you got to get serious about your faith. you got to get serious. Now, what's the last thing uh, of this first warning? Well, actually, there's two. Stop being careless, verse 4, for it's impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened. Those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, who have turned away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by, re- by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. It is interesting working in next-gen ministry for a long time. Man, it is, we just lost time. In next-gen ministry for a long time, how quick how quick people will deviate and become careless with their life with things that they've been taught. Like you have a 16-year-old who, who committed their ways to Jesus, is on fire for the Lord, and it only takes like a couple of years of college to just derail that entire thing to where they're, they're in a different land. They're in a different, a different orbit. And it's, called, it's, it's nothing other than carelessness. So being attentive to your own soul is important. Being attentive to your own spiritual growth. When you're careless with your own life, spiritual life, Life, you will drift. You will absolutely drift. It's a warning that the, the pastor of Hebrews is saying. You got to get serious. Stop thinking like a kid and arguing about childish things. You need to set apart time to become deeper and grow mature and stop being careless. These are the things that you experience and you got careless with them. You got lazy with them. Listen, before we went to Jamaica, I lost a lot of weight. I went to Jamaica and I ate every day. I put most of that weight back on. That's carelessness. It's just not paying attention to your life. To going, I'm going to just allow these things to be part of my life, even though I know I shouldn't. And eventually you begin to walk so far away from the truth that you already know, you become careless to the good news of Jesus. You become careless to the gospel. You become, uh, you've, it's not even that you've like verbally, even though the writer, the pastor here has said you've rejected the good news, you actually do it with your own lifestyle. And this is a warning that the pastor of Hebrews is saying, pay attention. The next thing, seven and eight, let's read that. When you ground soaks up, this is about cultivating. You have to cultivate your spiritual life, right? Now is the time. Who's plant, who started planting in their house, right? I know for uh, celebration Sunday, Adrienne's day, this is her birthday, by the way. It's also somebody else's, some other matriarch of this church. We have two matriarch birthdays today. One of them is my wife. I won't call out the other one, but some of you might know. Today, part of our day, the birthday present for the bride, besides looking gorgeous today, is to cultivate some of our land. 
Since we've moved from Michigan, I've made our land less and less and less because I know how hard it is to cultivate. Our land is the size of that piano at this point. We used to have almost an acre. And now we have a dog field that's like small. Anyway, that's part of our day today. We're going to cultivate the land. So here's what the text say. When the ground soaks up from the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has a good God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn the field and burn it. This is about cultivation. It's cultivating the land. You've got to cultivate your soul. You absolutely have to cultivate your soul. It's a critical. It, it's critical. In order to heed the warning, to get serious about your faith, you have to cultivate your life. You have to go out and do the work. You have to till the land. You've got to find the things that are choking out life and, and, and take care of them. This is what, it, what requires us to drop anchor and to hold ourselves firm as everything is trying to turn us to and fro. Okay, here's the deal. This is, this is, uh, this is maturity on my part. Just wanted to pay attention. A three-part message for one Sunday just turned into a three-part message for three Sundays. I'm going to do this for the next three Sundays. I'm going to do the next two parts. I'm going to do part two next week, part three the week after. Hebrews just extended two weeks because of it. Here's why I think that's important. We don't have to get every last word out in this time. I gave you one warning. I gave you four ways in which you can attack that warning. If I could have wrote them on the whiteboard, you could walk away with them. I'm going to give you the warning again, and then we have two more warnings about this text. Now, Hebrews 6 is such an important passage to theologians that I think we need to spend more than just one week trying to plow through it. So we'll come back and we'll hit warning number two next week. Um, and I'm going to give you warning number two right now, but we'll talk about it next week. Warning, you, it's time to be stubborn. It's time for you to be stubborn. But let's go back, recap. I'm going to invite the worship team up. Now, again, it, this is all leading up to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, to the anchor that he provides, the way in which he went into the inner sanctuary, provided a way for us to receive salvation, to, to, for us to enjoy the fruit of salvation. And, he's get, and, the, and the pastor of Hebrews is saying now, because of all this, I have to get you on the right track or else you'll just deviate. The warning is time to get serious. How do we get serious? Let's avoid, I, mean, I know I'm repeating myself. Let's avoid childish conversation and childish arguments and arguing about all the little things, right? All the, the petty stuff that we, we spend time wrestling over. We don't need to continue. We know that you have to repent is what the author of Hebrews is saying. We know that you, that in order to receive Christ, you have to turn from your evil ways and accept him. Let's stop arguing about if that's necessary or not because we know we all agree it's necessary. Necessary. And then we have to set apart time. We have to consecrate our, our day. Wake up in the morning. Here's a practice. Wake up in the morning and say, Lord, today is the day you have made. And I'm not trying to be cliche. Give me 15 minutes today where it's just you and me. Just you and me. I'm going to crack my Bible. I'm going to read for seven. I'm going to pray for three. I'm, I'm going to ignore my children for four. Sometimes ignoring your children for four is the best Jesus part of your day that you've ever had. And you're going to get close to him because there's no distraction. 
That's what consecration is. I'm sold out and I'm distractionless. I'm going to focus on you. Start with 15 minutes. Give him 15 minutes of your day. Give him 15 minutes before you go to bed. Guys, give him 12 minutes while you're in the bathroom. It's real. Don't laugh about it. We're all wasting 60 in there trying to avoid our kids. I see, I see John over there laughing. He's like, that's true. Give him some time. Time. That's what you have to give him. That's like one commodity we have. He doesn't care about your money or your dress or what you got or all your talents, but your time. Your time is all that you have to give him. It's it. He'll multiply that into whatever he wants, but your time is the thing you can set apart for him. And if you want to get serious, give him five minutes of your day. Because it's hard. I get it. I get paid to do it. Consecrate your time. Stop being careless. Stop entertaining this part of your life that, like, here's an idea. I know we want to be informed, but I promise, and I've said this probably 50 times, turn off the news. It's time for us to turn off the news. The path that news brings you to, the anger, the frustration, the rage, the disappointment, the what's happening in our world, turn it off. You're entertaining the world's influence on your life. Stop being careless. Get serious. Just turn it off. And here's the deal. Work that land. Cultivate the land. Dig up the stuff that's causing the, the land to not grow. Find the things in your life that are causing you discomfort or causing the, the, the weeds to take over. Get that out of there and, and begin, to, begin to water the things that are good. That takes some time to identify what those are. You all have it, but if you want to get serious, and the warning is to get serious, you've got to do these things. It's, I'm not trying to even be legalistic. I'm just saying, like, let's make it some effort. There's, no, you, there's nothing legalistic about my soul. I'm like, willy-nilly, which gets called in 